Welcome to the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information about us, check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook or Instagram at kenosha.church. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. For the month of October, we'll be taking a look at spiritual warfare. Enjoy the message. Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the darkness, against the evil spiritual forces in the heavenlies. There's a saying, I know it's cheesy, all right? There's a saying that home is where the heart is, right? And it's cheesy, but I think it's, it's pretty true, I think. Um, when I think of home, uh, Kenosha's home, all right? But when I think of home, like that sentimental home, we all think of maybe that home we grew up in uh, when we were children. And that, for me, was on 14th Street in Indianola, Iowa. In fact, Allison can attest to this, that every time I go back to Indianola, I'm like, all right, kids, it's time to drive by my boyhood home. And my kids are like, again? Yes, again. And we just kind of drive by, and we creep right. The people in the house are probably like, here's that creeper from Wisconsin again. What's going on? You know? Uh, but all these memories just kind of flood my mind of when I played baseball in the front yard or where I learned how to kick a soccer ball and, or, or just blew off fireworks, just a number of things. But as I'm driving slowly through the neighborhood, I also think of all the different neighbors I had. Neighbors come and went, but there are a few neighbors that I can remember to this day. In fact, one of my neighbors, he was one of those guys that literally shouted, get off my lawn, your shoes are killing the grass, all right? Now, I'm not going to tell you his name, but his name literally, the first four letters of his name were K-I-L-L, all right? I won't say the rest of it, but it had kill in his first name, all right? Yeah, so I didn't want to mess with him. But he had one of these things, one of these uh, garden orbs, these balls. So I don't know if they have these anymore, uh, but they sat in the middle of a garden, and they looked like a crystal ball. Now, of course, growing up, I watched the movie The Wizard of Oz, all right? It was on annually on CBS, right? I know it's dating me a little bit, right? And so, and I saw that ball, I'm like, I think that's a crystal ball. And so, of course, eventually, I would just lead to it, and I knew that if I stepped on his grass, he may kill me, all right? But I, I, I'm going to chance it. So I went into his yard, so far, so good. I got into the garden, and I began to, like, rub that crystal ball, all right? All right, can I see some people in this thing, right? And all of a sudden, I heard, what do you think you're doing? And I got so startled, I went back into the crystal ball. The crystal ball fell off, and he had, the, like, the, all these different lawn ornaments, and they just dominoed everywhere. I ruined his garden. And so for the rest of my childhood, every time I went by his house, you could see his little face like this, all right? <laughs> that was one of my neighbors. Another neighbor across the street, they were the neighbors with the temper, all right? This is the family that whenever the dad came home and he wasn't like, hi, honey, I'm home, he was like, what's for dinner? But in between what's for dinner, I learned a bunch of four-letter words, all right? And so this was the neighbor I found out words are not supposed to use. And I'm sure, though, that if my neighbors had their microphone this morning, oh, boy, it'd be embarrassing. They'd say those McGowan kids were crazy. They would say my dad was really loud and over the top, and my mom was always smiling and laughing at us, right? No family is perfect, and everybody has stories of each one of our individual families. But here's the real question. What happens when a family is attacked demonically? What happens... When the enemy strikes within the four walls of our home, there was a family up the street. They were this model family. You know, the family, sometimes you look like, man, I wish I would be more like them. 
and it seemed like everything was going well. They were, they were civic leaders. They were, they were known well in the city. Uh, they taught uh, in their church, and, and they were just looked up to. And then one day, depression just came over their, their home. Their kids fell into drugs. One of their kids OD'd and died from drugs. The parents uh, started blaming each other, and they started blaming everybody else, and they eventually ended up blaming God. The, the family split up, and, and, and the dad actually ended up splitting with God as well, blaming God so much that he stepped away from the faith. How was it that a family that was so even-keeled, I mean, there's no perfect family. If someone says they're perfect or they look perfect, they're not. But what happened to a family that was so stable? Quite simply was this. The enemy took advantage of hard situations in crisis. Just because you have a hard situation in your family or you hit crisis doesn't mean that, that uh, you've done something wrong. All right, That's bad theology. Like If you think something bad's happened to you because you're, you're in complete wrong, uh, that's, that's bad theology. That's not necessarily true. It could be true, but, but it's not uh, necessarily true. But the enemy took advantage of this hard situation in crisis. And this family's equilibrium was shaken. Their world was shaken over and over and over again. And the enemy snuck in. And he took advantage and attacked them when they were weakest. It was one domino after another. And after tragedy after tragedy, stress built up where the truth of God's love was completely fogged out of their home. Now, I hope none of you have hit that level. But I think we can resonate when we've hit hard times where the love of God has been fogged. Have we felt that way before? I have, right? Maybe you're a teenager and your parents... Or divorced and you began to blame yourself. Uh, maybe you're, you're in a marriage and you discovered your, your spouse's unfaithfulness. Maybe your children began to stray and maybe, or you discovered they were uh, living a, a lifestyle of things that were reckless. Maybe they, you found them taking drugs or vaping or, or premarital sex. And maybe you felt those dominoes drop because of a diagnosis, a loss of job, whatever stress it is. You've been pleading with the Lord, it would just stop raining. And your heart's weary. When our homes are under attack, it is the moment we have to cry out and depend on God more than ever. But the enemy wants to take advantage of the crisis you're facing, or the crisis you will face. Discontent or disappointment is the calling card for the enemy to say, blame God. The enemy knows that there's no quicker way to your heart then attack your home. And that's the main idea this morning, is the battleground of, for your heart is the home. The battleground for your heart is your home. Whether you're growing up in a home, uh, you've, you've left home and are preparing for your future, whether you're just beginning a family, or, or your kids have left the nest, uh, the enemy wants nothing more to sneak into your daily life, and he wants to cause a giant mess in your life, and in your home. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about facing attacks within our four walls. In fact, Jesus gives us a specific warning that we see to the first followers that I think is completely applicable to our subject today. It's in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. In fact, I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles there, uh, whether it be on your phones or your physical Bible. The physical Bible is great because you won't get push notifications. Uh, but again, let's lean in, let's connect into God's Word, mark up your Bible, take notes, because again, you want the Spirit of God to open up your heart and speak to you specifically through his word this morning. All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Look, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. 
Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in the synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me, to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about what you are to speak, for you'll be given what to say at that hour, because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father is child, and children will raise up against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by everyone because of my name. A disciple's not, verse 24, a disciple's not above his teacher, or slave above his master. The battleground for your heart is the home. Now, the enemy attacks in these ways. If he's going after your home, he's going to attack in these three ways. He's going to attack in your surroundings. He's going to attack on, in your shelter. He's going to attack your legacy. Let's take a look at the first one. The enemy attacks your surroundings. That is the culture you live in. Now, Jesus warned the disciples as he was commissioning them into the world that they would, what they would see and what they would face. We see this again in verse 16. Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. We live in a world that is diametrically opposed to the things of God. We live in a world where our citizenship, if you're a follower of Christ, your citizenship is not this world. We are to live in this world, but we are not of this world. We are to live in this world to influence this world and the things of Jesus, but we are going to feel a little like we're going upstream because this is not our home. And Jesus reminds the disciples, you're being sent out into this world as ambassadors of Jesus, but he calls us a name. He calls us sheep. <laughs> Uh, you know what, I take issue that, no, but here's the deal. Jesus calls us sheep, right? He's calling us dumb, right? Why? Because sheep easily go astray. Sheep plot their own path to their peril. And they're defenseless against the attacks of wild animals and wolves. And to survive as sheep, therefore we have to be shrewd. That means we need to know our Lord we need to know how the enemy attacks us, and we need to be aware of our weaknesses. We need to be, we need to be clever and aware of, of how the enemy may attack us, yet we need to be innocent. We need to be set apart for the purposes of God. So if we are to be, I, I love this quote from a theologian. He says, if we are to be sheep among wolves, then we should be smart sheep. He made a joke there. Sheep who use our heads. Sheep who don't overestimate the benevolence of wolves. Wolves aren't benevolent. Notice wolves, used here in scripture, is a metaphorical use of a real danger. I mean, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I don't know how many of you are just looking outside in your yard for a wolf, right? Like, oh my goodness, is there a stray wolf? He has gone way far off his territory uh, if he's made it from northern Wisconsin down to Kenosha, right? He's probably a rabid wolf, all right? Stay away from him even more. But I don't know about you, I'm, I'm not worried about a wolf here in Kenosha, but what we are told in scripture is we are to worry about the rabid metaphorical wolf that wants to spiritually attack us. And so we're told in verse 17, beware of them because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues and you will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what to speak for you will be given what to say at that hour. Because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. The disciples, following Jesus, it was going to cost them pretty much everything of worldly value. They were going to be handed over to government officials 
and most all of them were going to face their death. We likewise will face a hostile environment because of your faith. Why? Because this world, this world system does not recognize the King of Kings. This world does not recognize the Lord God Almighty. This world does not recognize his kingdom. And there is a battle of kingdoms, uh, this world and the kingdom of God. And it plays out in our surroundings. It plays out in our schools. It plays out in our friendships. It plays out in, in our workplace. It plays out in the government. It plays out in the media. It plays out everywhere. We see a diametrically opposing force of the force of the world and the force of the kingdom of God. And we see this again. It shouldn't surprise us, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities. Who is this? Here it is. Against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. There is a struggle, a kingdom struggle. And make no mistake, this isn't a struggle like you watch in Star Wars, right? Who's gonna win, the dark side or the force, right? That's not what this is all about. These aren't equal dueling forces, we are told, uh, specifically in John chapter 1, verse 5, that through Jesus, that darkness will not overcome the light. Darkness has lost. It is, it is a certainty that Jesus Christ is victorious and will continue to be victorious, and he's going to make all things new for those who place their faith and trust in him alone. The promises and victories of Jesus is assured. You can guarantee that. But what we introduced in previous weeks, Satan wants to make things hard and miserable. Satan was once an angel. He fell because he wanted to be above God. He wanted the worship that was only for God. Uh, and when he wanted all the glory, when he wanted to do it his way, he took one-third of the angels with him. They're called demons. They're destined for hell, a place for torment. And by the way, I think the theme song for hell is gonna be, I did it my way, right? That's, that's gonna be the theme. But you know, people, when they think of hell, especially around Halloween, they see it like this party place, like, yep, I did it my way. Yep, I'm gonna party. And it's like, no, it's not gonna be a party. It, it, it's gonna be pain. It's gonna be eternal separation from the Lord God Almighty. It, it's gonna be isolation and darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the enemy knows this. And he'll do anything to bring you down with him. So notice the phrase cosmic power and spiritual forces in the heavens. It speaks to an unseen supernatural empire. Satanic demonic forces that are highly organized. Now, it must be said, again, I don't want to give uh, undue credence to an enemy who is actually limited. He is not omnipresent. That means Satan is not at everywhere all at once. He can only be in one place at once. Uh, the enemy is not omniscient. That means he doesn't know everything. He can't come in and read your mind. He can influence your mind. He can whisper lies to you, uh, but he can't read your mind, all right? And the enemy is not omnipotent. That means he's not all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Satan has an invisible army that manifests itself through legions of demons throughout the world. Now, notice in Ephesians 6, 12, we have the word authorities, this word reflects that there are ranks of demons. Now, we don't know much beyond this, and quite frankly, we don't need to because uh, we need to know God more. Uh, if you want to uh, throw out an attack of the enemy, it's we need to know God. But what we do see here is there tends to be, uh, what we see here is a rank of demons, and I guess that there are some that attack or attach to specific nations or nation leaders, politicians, entertainers, 
Uh, there may be ones that are, because they're not omnipresent, hang out in localities. They even attack churches. They may even attack your home. Now, I'm not encouraging you to look at every conspiracy theory to unearth Satan's schemes, okay? Uh, some people are like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play my records backwards, and I'm going to go through all the internet forums and find that missing puzzle piece to, aha, I know what the conspiracy of Satan is, and I'm going to stop it. Listen, that, that is more of a distraction, all right? What you need to do is see what's in plain sight. Satan attacks in plain sight. You want to know what that is? Quite simply, a satanic attack is anything, is anything that is against his kingdom. Anything that is Christless is a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually a conspiracy against his kingdom. And we see this from human slavery to sexual exploitation, the breakdown of the family, to godless ideologies that, again, we see has roots in the doctrine of demons. In fact, Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1. He says, now the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. Pay attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. You know, I, I believe that we are getting closer and closer to the Lord's second coming. Don't know when that date is. But what we have seen increasingly in the last few years are high-profile after high-profile person and maybe even many of your peers that have paid attention to strange and, and unbiblical teachings to where their faith is a wreck. And we can tell you right now, what are these teachings rooted in? They're not rooted in the Bible. They are teachings of demons. And we see this manifested today, the doctrine of demons, I believe, in the thought of humanism. Humanism is a, understands that instead of God being the creator, we are the creator. We can create anything we want to out of this creation. And I think it's one of the biggest threats we see is, is this godless worldview that's devoid of our need of God. And it's therefore no wonder that we tell our kids they can be anything. It used to be when I grew up, they told me a lie. And the lie was this. Andy, you can be anything. I was like, really? Okay, I'll be a baseball player, a scientist, and an astronaut, all right? Do you think I could ever have been a baseball player, you know, or an astronaut? No, absolutely not. And I remember one time my Sunday school teacher leveled with me. Uh, my Sunday school teacher's like, Andy, you want to be a scientist? I'm like, uh-huh, I don't know, maybe a mad scientist. I'm like, uh-huh, and so I realized maybe I can't be what I want. Anyway, shame on that person, but anyway, still remember to this day. Here's the thing. Not only do we tell people you can be what you all want to be, and listen, we should encourage our kids to go beyond what they think they're capable of doing. But here's the deal. It's not just that we're telling people you can be what you want to be. We're telling them you can be anything. You can change everything about you. You can change your legal name. You can change your legal gender. You can change your biological gender. You can change anything and everything about your life. Oh, and by the way, when it comes to who you date or how you date, it doesn't have to be monogamy anymore. It could be group marriage. It could be anything you want it to be. Why even have marriage? Why? Because you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be because it's your life to live. And who's to tell you that you can live anything different? Just do what you want to do and do what makes you happy. Right? Is, is, that, is that what you've heard? That's humanism. It's where we become our own gods. I haven't heard anybody say they think they're a god, but man, we all at times want to play it. And that is the satanic, demonic doctrine that we see playing out before our very eyes in our surroundings. And this is very key with how the enemy gets into our homes. As kids, they are being trained by what they see on their phones, on TV. In fact, uh, my kids were watching Peppa Pig the other day. You know Peppa Pig? Anybody Peppa Pig fans in here, right? All right, it just plays on loop, all right? So anyway, and, uh, but one time, 
Peppa Pig was playing, and sometimes you get these YouTube commercials, and I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, I saw an advertisement for the library drag queen hour during Peppa Pig. And I realized, whoa. So I started paying attention to the ads in between our kids' shows. Oh, yeah, it's on purpose, all right? There's an algorithm for our kids' hearts. There's an algorithm for your attention. And it wants to shape you in that saying that you can be whatever you want to be. But here's the deal. Our kids often, they learn this because they see our heads buried in the foam, right? I'm guilty of this. We're just like, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool, Elias. That's cool, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, huh? And they see that and they equate, okay, online conversation is just as important as face-to-face conversation. We see this in society today. It's why communication is getting worse and worse, even though we can communicate faster and quicker more than we ever have. And because we see that face-to-face conversations being equated with online phone conversation, many kids are being raised now, not by parents, because the parents' heads are in their phones. They're being raised by social media influencer podcasters or the latest articles and memes being curated by algorithms. And none of them are coming from a biblical worldview. Just this last week, an article was published with the rising incidence of young women who have had a sudden onset of Tourette's syndrome. Have you heard of this? Now, Tourette's is where people have involuntary movements and outbursts of words. I do believe uh, it exists. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. But it was baffling researchers because why is there this rapid onset, especially since March 1st of 2020? And they realized that a number of young girls were exposed to influencers on social media with tics or Tourette syndrome on TikTok. And they began to copy it. And it just got me thinking, if we are copying tics from Tourette syndrome, imagine the other things, uh, the other things that we, our kids are being shaped with. People are being raised to endorse and mimic behavior. And it goes on, we, we see that people are being influenced, whether it be godless politics, or it's cultural Marxism, sexual or gender fluidity, porn, or progressive deconstruction Christianity. And by the way, progressive deconstruction Christianity will almost all lead to atheism or a practical atheism. And let me just say this. As our kids are being raised, as we are being influenced by our surroundings, people, when they say they don't believe in God anymore, they aren't, or they subscribe to unbiblical ideas, that didn't happen by accident. It was a drift. A drift. If you want to, if, if, if you want to look like the culture, all you have to do is do a back float because the culture will drift you to its understandings. Nobody ever accidentally became biblical. Because in order to be biblical, you have to swim upstream the currents of culture. And so to be somebody that understands what God is saying, it's an intentional discipline. It's an intentional understanding that you must listen to God. You must have a relationship with him. You must spend time with him. And you must make priority of of his priorities. So this is how demonic uh, doctrines are shaping our culture. They're laying the groundwork in our surroundings and culture to destabilize our families. There's a term in psychology, it's called mere exposure effect. Uh, This is an effect that people tend to develop preference for things 
just by merely seeing them over and over and over again. So whether it be the online ads, whether you're seeing in your algorithms, or even billboards, right? Right now, every other billboard in Illinois is a marijuana billboard. Why? They're trying to normalize you to a drug that otherwise has been deemed something that is harmful for you. And as Christians, again, as I mentioned a couple weeks back, it's something we stay away from because it, it intoxicates you. Or to be full of the Holy Spirit. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit if you're intoxicated, all right? And so this... Psychological effect, we notice that the enemy will keep on lying to you, lying to you, lying to you, because if you are just living by the waves of culture, those lies, as they're told to you more and more often, you'll begin to normalize them, and you'll begin to think that there's nothing wrong with them. The bottom line is this. We are not in a struggle against flesh and blood, but an enemy who twists truth to influence the culture against you so that you join the culture that is against God. And he'll speak to you, tempt you, redirect you in ways. And the key is this. It's not to know everything about the enemy, but in verse 17, what we see is to beware. And when you are caught up in the thralls of the enemy, verse 20, that you rely on the Holy Spirit to give you the words to speak in that moment. It's a detriment to be led by your own flesh or to just haphazardly walk in your relationship with Jesus. It's to your detriment. You will, not, you will not live victorious in the surroundings and the culture that surrounds you if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not diving into the word of God. I've mentioned this week and week again, and I'm gonna tell you right straight up, some of you some of you've already told me, ah, I'm just not in the word, and that's cool. I, that, that you gave me some insider knowledge, so yeah, I understand we talked, all right? But I wanna, tell you, I wanna say this for the entire church. If you are not in the word of God, you will die spiritually, you will shrivel up. You may come to church. You may volunteer. Uh, you, 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 may, you may have conversations about God because he you knows things about God in your everyday life, but inside you're gonna die, right? Because you need to be nourished and fed by the revelation of God's word. Somebody like, well, I just wanna hear the Holy Spirit. I don't need God's word. Listen, you won't be able to tell demonic spirits from the Holy Spirit if you're not in the spirit of God's word. Get into God's word. I beg you, I plead with you. Listen, I know I'm going over the top, but I just want it to burn in your minds here. Young men, get in the word of God. Quit making excuses. Oh, I'm, just, I just, I'm so, so tired. Or, oh, you know, just things happening. Get in the word of God. I don't want to hear any more excuses. Because if, if you don't have this, you're going to drift. People are like, what about women too? Yes, women too. But I'll tell you what. You want revival in the church in America? Men, step up to the plate. And kudos to the men that are. to our detriment if we're not led by the Holy Spirit. He attacks our surroundings, the culture we live in. And you can see the passions coming from my heart today because I just flipped through a book this week of people I knew through youth group. There are a lot following Christ. And there are some that are following their form of Jesus. And it makes me sad. Follow the word of God. Be in it. All right. Surroundings, number one. Number two, if he gets your surroundings, he can get inside your shelter. He attacks your shelter. He attacks the family you share life with. The enemy wants to influence the culture that surrounds your home 
to influence the people in your family. Now, of all the influences in the world, you know what the number one influence for children is? Did you know that? It's not social media. It's not TV. It's not their friends. It's not pastors. It's parents. It still is parents. Parents is the number one influence in the family for the good or for the bad. For many parents, they've given up their position of leading children. They're like, oh, you know, just a rite of passage. We'll just see where the chips fall. Really? You're asking them to do what? Be intentional. Some of us, we need, we need to be intentional with our kids seeing what we believe lived out in our life. Now, none of us are perfect, right? We, but we don't want to be like, okay, do as I said, done as I do, right? We don't want to live by that motto. Back to the phones for a minute. Kids are often competing with their parents' attention as parents are glued to their phones, right? I mean, I was, I remember one time Elias spent like a couple hours on a, this is when he was like three years old, he spent like a couple hours on a drawing and, and he went up to show me and he didn't say a word. He could barely talk at that point, but he, he, was, he was holding up the picture and I was just scrolling on something on, you know, Instagram, probably looking at people's food. It doesn't matter, you know, seven years later, it doesn't really matter, right? But, that, but it mattered to me in that moment and I realized, I looked up and he was just like this. And that burned into my mind, like, holy cow, I don't want to miss that moment again. We need to be engaged. We need to be aware of the influences that are shaping our homes. And we need to be aware of what is shaping our children. Parents, it is okay to delay your kids having one of these. All right? It's okay. You know, my kids right now, my kids are, are 10, 7, and 4. My 7-year-old is trying to convince me that she needs a phone, all right? My 10-year-old is trying to tell me that, you know, his life would be much better if he had a phone. And it just had to pain me. It pained me that I had to tell them no. Oh, but people say, oh, but if you just do that, if you're just, oh, they're sheltering them. You need to give them the phone, right? Uh, they'll rebel if you shelter them. I'm like, well, yeah, I could just throw the same thing at you. You give a phone to someone at seven, they'll rebel, right? We can get this whole, like, they'll rebel, they'll rebel things. But here's the deal. I know I'll get emails today. People say, well, when, when should our kids have a phone? I don't know. You need to talk to the Lord about that. You need to be wise about that. But whenever someone gets a phone, you, know, you need to parent through it. Because if you don't parent through it, guess what? Somebody else is going to parent your kids. Some online influencer is going to parent your kids. We need to be alert. We need to be aware of what our kids are consuming. Oh, and by the way, this goes with spouses too. You know, I've ran into people before. It's like, my spouse says I'm a password on my phone. I'm like, well, start telling her what it is, right? Like, it's not that you should, like, become detectives. Like, okay, I'm going to read all your texts today. I mean, that might, be, that might show that there's distrust and there's a bigger issue there. But the thing is, it all should be available. It all should be available. We need to be engaged because Satan comes to divide the home. Now, notice something startling Jesus tells the disciples. As the gospel goes out, he says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death and father his children. Children will raise up against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures in the end will be saved. Now, Jesus is speaking specifically to the major difficulties that lie ahead, specifically for the first followers, but also for you and I. 
as we live a biblical ethic, as we, as we reach people with the gospel for his name, because of his name, the world will naturally oppose you. The world is being influenced, again, by activity of the demonic. Now, not every action that opposes you is demonic, okay? We'll talk more about that next week. But Jesus is warning that this will become so personal that it will even divide the family structures. We see brother will betray brother, father his child, children against parents. In the home, it functions when there's unity, when there's respect, when there's loyalty for each other and their well-being unto God. But he's after the family. Now, at first reading, it could seem like the gospel is the reason for discord. He says, brother will betray brother to death. Why? Because they are going to go out and share the gospel. You could read that and say, man, is the gospel producing disunity or discord uh, in my home? For instance, you may come from a family where nobody knew Jesus, and then someone invited you to church. You heard the gospel. You said yes to Jesus, and you came home, and you're like, I met Jesus, right? I met Jesus, and, and you were ex you're expecting like, people to be excited, like all heaven was going to come down. But instead, when you told your family that you met Jesus, it felt like the gates of hell flung open. What do you mean you met Jesus? Your spouse tells you you joined a cult. Your kids think you're crazy, right? And it's like, oh, man, I thought this moment that was going to be awesome that I met Jesus. I go home, and it just got crazy. And it's not because of the gospel, no. It's because the foundation as a world, we have said no to the gospel. And when we reintroduce Jesus, it puts us on notice. Now, I'm not telling you, by the way, if you are that person in your family and you met Jesus and, and your family's fighting you on it, um, I'm not telling you to be obstinate. I'm not telling you to beat them over the head with the Bible, like, you better listen to me or, or get angry at them. Be patient. Never stop praying for them and show them the love of Jesus, no love that they can't find anywhere else. And be patient. Be patient. The agents of peace, the gospel is the remedy to our sin debt before God. So the gospel is not the reason why we see the discord. We see discord as our foundation and God has come to give peace. But Satan, he comes to attack our family members. The household of God has been assaulted from the very beginning when Satan divided Adam and Eve and when sin entered the world, it reverberated our homes to this very day. And I remember I had one of my friends, he, he, he and his wife, they, had, they went through an incredibly hard season. They, they were very happily married, but he said, I remember one night I just felt like the enemy just hit my wife. I guess feel it and sense it. It just hit my wife. And from that point forward, about a year and a half worth of just hardship they had to walk through. They fought this battle by going to the Lord in prayer. And after a season of hardship, joy re-entered and restored their marriage. You see, hate is Satan hates the created order. And he wants to mix up the creative order. He hates households. He hates Christian households. So do not let your guard down. His goal is for you to love yourself, become selfish, your marriage to be unfaithful, your family to be busy or distracted from God. He wants you addicted. He wants to come seek, kill, and destroy your family. And that's why we must press in to the things of God. So fathers, as a result, you must lead. What does this mean? You know, like we say, hey, men, you need to lead. And like, what's that mean? Good question. It means you need to set the standard with the Lord and your family. You need to read the word together. Pray with your family. Uh, if you're married, love your wives. Don't rely on your own strengths. But ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit every day. Fill you with that spiritual courage. Fill you with the sensitivity of what his spirit is doing. Because your charge, as it says in 1 Timothy 3, 4, to manage the household well. That means it is the highest priority that your children know Jesus. And don't be an actor. Be the real deal. Because you're going to mess up. All right? 
Don't be perfect at church in that home a monster, right? If you're a monster, admit it. There's been times I've had to tell my four-year-old, I'm terribly sorry, and it feels really humiliating because it is. I have to get on my knees and say, oh, Graham, I'm really, really sorry I got angry at you like that over there. I'm really, that wasn't Jesus, okay? And you know what? It hurts, but guess what? Our kids need to see that. Our kids need to see that. Mothers, thank you for picking up the slack if you have an unbelieving husband or a husband that's not leading. But mothers, I want you to know that pray for your husband and, and allow him to lead spiritually. Pray for him and be patient. And know that being a mother is a, is a high calling. I'm not saying that you, there's nothing in scripture that says you can't work or you have to stay home. In fact, we know the Proverbs 31 girl, she, she worked, all right? But know that your kids are a blessing. And if you're single, oh yes, our single people here, I want you to know this right now. Uh, this, your season is a beautiful season. You've been called for this season. Some of you are afraid it's a lifetime. It's probably not. If, if you have the gift, you, you, you'll know it. But you've been called to be an example and influence of someone during this time. So prepare for your future by following Christ in the now. Marriage is not your identity. Christ is your identity no matter the season. And his attacks on the home start in your season of singleness. And so if you've made mistakes, there's forgiveness, there's grace in everything. Yes, there's ramifications for bad decisions, but don't let the enemy have an open opening uh, if you're engaged in pornography now or, or premarital sexual activity or habits of anger, whatever it is, seek that help now so that you can prepare for that person now so you can be that later. Because here's the deal. As Satan attacks, you know that you have the biggest weapons. Ephesians 1.3, you have, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know what? When the enemy attacks, you know what you get to say? Say hello to my little friends, right? You have everything. Did you read? For Ephesians 1.3, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every. What's every? Is there everything? Every spiritual blessing in Christ is yours, which means this, when you are attacked, you may feel defeated, you're not defeated because you got it all. You go to the Lord, he'll fight your battles on your behalf. So listen, when the enemy hits, when the enemy hits your wife, your kids, say, hey, say hello to my little friends. It is called the Lord God Almighty. He's the, uh, he is the leader of the heavenly armies and he has attacked and defeated the spiritual dark forces. Church, you have it all at your disposal. Just ask and he'll get you through the hardship. I'm not saying your hardship's gonna go away. It may be hard your whole life. I don't know, but he will get you through that hardship to walk into eternity with victory. Finally, he not only wants to attack your home, he wants to attack your successors. That is the legacy you're building up. You're building a legacy for those that come after you. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today to be on your heart and repeat them to your children. Decisions you make now not only are affecting yourself. You know, people are like, oh, this is just a decision. It's a private decision for me. Listen, if it's a private decision and you live with people in your home, it's not private. It's affecting everybody in that house. But I want you to know, Satan isn't just... He's not just good with attacking your home. He wants your generations. 
He wants your, your kids. He wants your grandkids. He wants your great-great-grandkids. And decisions we make today can indeed influence generations later. I was in a speech class once, and this girl who had used to smoke like a chimney in between classes, she gave one of her last speeches, and she said, of all my regrets I have in life, it's when I smoked that first cigarette. Because now I'm hooked. And it made me think, like, decisions that we make in that one moment can reverberate, not only for our lifetime, but for lifetimes. And so for some of you, you've been that chain breaker. You've been, you've been able to walk into that, that new future, but you know that there's just been years and generations of, of people held up in that same sin. So whether you're the chain breaker or you're held up in that bondage today, you have every weapon at your disposal to walk in that newness. It doesn't matter what your past is because your past doesn't have to be your future, but the enemy wants your past to be your future. So here's what I want to leave you with today. All weapons. How does the, how does the Lord want to deliver you? Four things, and then we're going to pray is remember who you are. You were bought by the blood of Jesus. You're in Christ and his spirit is in you. That means that you can approach God and be real. Whether you failed, whether you have sin that need to, you need to confess, when you remember who you are in Christ, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you can approach him with everything and be made right with him. Number two is obey the word of God even when you don't feel like it. In those moments we're attacked in the home, it's because We've been in a funk and we haven't been in the word of God. When we read the word of God, it's not just good enough just to know the word of God. We need to obey the word of God. But we're in a season now where people only want to do things that they feel like it. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. It's often those times that we don't feel like it. We have to step into a sacrifice of obedience. Number three, pray for your family, your church family, and your neighbors. Just quite simply, how different would it be we bathe those things in prayer. And if you are bathing things, those things in prayer, know this today. God's going before you. He hears you. He does. He's, he's a loving, merciful God. Number four, live your life with the mindset of a testimony. You've gotten in the bad habit of thinking that testimony is something in the past. But a testimony is living and active. A testimony is not only knowing things or have done things in the past, but it's the embodiment of being an ambassador of Jesus every single day of your life. Live as a testimony in the home, with your friends, wherever you're at. And things will begin to shift. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to stand on that right authority. We're gonna talk about some practical things of what it means to, to walk into that victory. But this is what I wanna do specifically as we close off today. Is I wanna give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But secondly, I wanna give you an opportunity to ask God to come in and reclaim your home. Maybe it means giving anger over to him or a habit over to him. Maybe it means that you've given up on different prayers or maybe you haven't been praying with your spouse or you haven't been praying for your future. Whatever it is, God's bringing you back to that moment today. So Father, we just pray right now for those that don't know you as Savior. God, I just pray that right now that you uh, would speak to the hearts of many in this room there's, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you personally as their Savior, that today would be their day. In fact, as we continue to pray, if you're in this room today and you know that you are not right with God, if you know that you've never personally placed your faith and trust in Jesus alone, this is your moment. God has drawn you to this moment for you to say yes to Jesus right now. This is what you need to do. 
You you need to acknowledge that you don't have it all together. You need to acknowledge that you've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. There's no religion or no good you can do to get to God. And this is why you must receive Jesus this morning. There's nothing you can do, but Jesus has done it all. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to die on the cross to save you from your sins. Death couldn't keep him because he's a perfect, sinless sacrifice. He rose from the dead, and he's coming back. When you place your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you, the Bible says you become born again. The Bible says that you're saved from your sins and remembers your sins no more, past, present, and future. You become a new creation. You are a child of God. Receive that forgiveness this morning. So if that's you, you wanna place your faith and trust in Jesus alone this morning. You've never made it personal, and today you're gonna do that. If that's you, we just make eye contact with me. I just wanna know if that's you today. I just wanna know that like, yes, I, I wanna place my faith and trust in Jesus alone. Thank you. Just make eye contact. I like, yeah, that's me. I wanna say yes to Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Again, making eye contact, that doesn't save you. I'm just acknowledging with your heart that you wanna give it to Jesus this morning. If that's you this morning, many of you all, actually all across this room, just pray with me. Just receive Jesus right now. You can say this out louder in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for making me. I realize I've done wrong and I need your forgiveness. I realize I can't do anything to save myself. I need Jesus to save me. Thank you for dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and making me new. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information about Emmanuel Kenosha Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you'd connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Emmanuel, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week on the Emmanuel Kenosha Church Podcast.